I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I will be your host today. There may be early signs that China may be shifting its strategy and starting to more openly retaliate against the U.S. and its allies for the tech restrictions that they are placing on China and Chinese companies. Here with me today is Matthew Bay, a senior global analyst at Rain. Welcome, Matthew. Hello, Emma. What are the early signs that we have seen pointing to that possibility? Um, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that have happened over, I would guess, the last two or so months that have been pointing in that direction. Um, the most significant of that was in late March when China announced that it was going to be carrying out a um, cybersecurity review of the products that are sold in China by Micron, um, the large U.S. Um, the large U.S. memory chip maker, um, and uh, that could, if, if the cybersecurity review. Uh, comes out as a as a as a negative uh, review on them um, could result in China blocking the sales of their memory of Micron's memory chips inside of China. That is significant for Micron because Micron sells about twenty five percent of its chips to China. Um, the second um, major kind of development that we saw um, was a bit earlier in February when China said that it was going to review um, a a deal between CATL, which is a Chinese batter, uh, electric vehicle battery manufacturer, and Ford for Ford to use um, CATL's technology for uh, lithium iron fo- uh, iron phosphate batteries at a at a plant um, that they're an, an EV battery plant that they're building in Michigan. Um, that's significant because uh, the battery technology industry for EVs is one where China has a stranglehold over a lot of the supply chains and some of the technology. Um, which is one of the few areas where China has matched the U.S. from an innovation standpoint and is now looking to potentially put into place similar export controls um, that the U.S. has placed on uh, China in the areas that China has similar type of a dominance, um, EV battery technology being one potential area. Uh, So what could be playing into China's change in strategy? Yeah, so I think there are a couple of things that um, the ways to look at this in terms of what could be driving um, China's change in strategy, if it is, this is the start of an actual process. Um, one of those things is just simply a calendar date. One of the things that we have been telling, talking to our clients about since late last year um, was that China hadn't really retaliated significantly targeting U.S. companies in the tech sector since the U.S. started to put into place very significant um, restrictions on Chinese tech companies, um, starting with Huawei about four years ago now. Um, and one of the reasons why we uh, suspected that they hadn't done that had been due to their concerns about their own domestic economy and some of the blowback to that. One of those concerns being, um, of course, the COVID-19 crisis. They wouldn't want to necessarily rock the economic ship during that. Um, and then last year, they had a number of kind of international issues that they were looking at, one of them being when Beijing hosted the Olympics, another one being um, when President Xi got his you know formal third term uh, christened in uh, October and then again in March of this year. Um, those kind of calendar dates um, would make it seem like China wouldn't want to detract um, from, you know, being, you know, having Xi kind of, you know, being supported on the international stage or anything like that. But once they got past those calendar dates, um, if China was going to make a shift, there would be a reason as there was nothing really left that could, you know, disrupt that from a optic standpoint. And that's one reason why, um, at least now, if China wanted to, they wouldn't have to put those into consideration. 
The second issue is that we've seen over the last um, three months or so is that the United States is starting to get more um, company or countries, excuse me, on board with a more harder position against China. Um, President, uh, French President Macron's statements a few weeks ago um, that were trying to distance the, the, the French position away from the U.S. calling for more strategic autonomy notwithstanding, um, we did see in January both Fran or both Japan and um, the Netherlands um, reaching an agreement by, with the United States to put into place some level of export re uh, controls on the exports of um, semiconductor manufacturing equipment. Um, that is significant because, because Japan and um, the Netherlands are basically the two countries whose companies are main exporters of those technologies outside of the U.S. So if the U.S. can get on board um, uh, the Netherlands and Japan, that means that China's access to um, these advanced uh, chips manufacturing equipment, so the actual, you know, authority for machines needed for building these chips um, will become severely restricted and, and in some cases just simply impossible to get their hands on, um, which would deepen the impact of U.S. restrictions. Um, Japan and the Netherlands are both in the process of doing that. Japan's kind of unveiled some of the, the regulations that they want to. Um, the Netherlands is planning to do that by the, end of the, by the start of the summer. Um, so there are potentially signs from China's perspective that the U.S. is starting to convince non-U.S. companies, or sorry, non-U.S. countries to get on board with some of those restrictions, which would then justify um, China trying to retaliate because as it spreads, um, that's what China wants to head off. It's one thing if the United States is doing it alone, they probably recognize that it's a foregone conclusion that the U.S. is going to put into place these restrictions. Um, but as the U.S. gets more of its uh, allies on board, that becomes a much more significant threat uh, for China. And by targeting the U.S., uh, and U.S. companies um, for some of these restrictions, it might be trying to warn other uh, countries that might be considering joining the U.S. from doing so over retribution to their own companies. Right. So how far is China likely to go then in targeting U the U.S. and other Western companies or other yes. Western countries? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think that um, China is going to be somewhat surgical in the way that it retaliates. Um, China is probably not going to target a U.S. company or a U.S. or a Western company that it is it is highly dependent on for its own economic strategy. And what I mean by that is a, is a company that is um, exporting or um, operating in China to China uh, or operating in China that has very you know significant market sales of a unique product that China cannot access anywhere, whether that be an advanced semiconductor or. Um, some sort of another, you know, advanced clean energy technology, whatever it may be. Um, but in the areas of high technology where China has alternatives, those are where the risks are higher. And that's what makes the Micron example kind of unique. Um, the, the memory chip market is dominated by three companies, um, SK Hynix, which is a South Korean firm, as well as Samsung, another South Korean firm. Um, and uh, Micron. The three of them combined for about 95% of the global DRAM market uh, for memory chips. Um, and they each have around a third. Um, Micron uh, it has about 25%, um, so it's not quite a third. But my point being, though, is that China has all alternatives. These are relatively standardized. Um, you can basically, if you're not putting a memory chip that's made by Micron, you can more or less substitute fully a Samsung one, uh, for example. Um, so there are options. So it doesn't really harm China to go after them. However, in some other areas, for example, if they were to target you know, one of the few um, sell, uh, sellers of highly advanced 
um, equipment for, or, you know, highly advanced equipment for semiconductors, just to go back to that example, uh, manufacturing, um, you're talking about two or three companies and, and or, or, in total, and there really isn't a lot of spare capacity. There's not a lot of um, standardization between different competitors. So that really China's ability to um, put into place restrictions without harm back to them is less. Um, outside of the high technology sector, um, there's a lot more sectors that China could retaliate against. Um, when you think about um, a lot of Western companies that are active in, say, the Chinese um, service industry or general apparel or um, even things like uh, retail space, um, those are areas where, you know, U.S. companies don't have a unique uh, thing to offer or Western companies don't have a unique thing to offer. There's plenty of, you know, Chinese competitors to Starbucks, plenty of Chinese competitors even to Apple. Um, so those are the kinds of companies that that China might be more willing to target because they don't have the same kind of a blowback effect. And how do you think the U.S. will react to this? Um, the U.S. is already starting to react um, by trying to get South Korea on board um, with the idea that having SK Hynix and um, and Samsung to, to not backfill essentially lost potential market share if Micron were to be banned by China. Um, that is something that is probably going to be a tall order, even though um, the president of South Korea is currently um, going to be having a, a visit to, to the U.S., um, because there's a couple of reasons as to why South Korean companies may not want to do that. And the most n number one issue is the, the, the threats of retaliation against them as well. Um, South Korea's economy is, of course, very you know, tied into um, the Chinese economy much more than the U.S. And we have seen in the in the past, um, China has been willing to uh, effectively put into place bans or boycotts of South Korean firms over um, South Korea siding too closely with the U.S. on certain policies. The most notable example of this was um, about five or six years ago uh, when Lot, a Chinese conglomerate, uh, was um, donating the land effect or was handed over land um, for the deployment of a of a U.S. ballistic missile uh, defense system in, in in South Korea, then saw a lot of its uh, sites being boycotted in China, or uh, and also being restricted overall. So so there is a past precedent that China has done against South Korea. So that's something else that Seoul will have to consider, as well as the companies Samsung and SK Hynix. What are some key things to watch out for that could suggest like worsened relations between China and the U.S. Uh, that could trigger retaliation? Um, that's a good question. One of the things that I think that is worth bearing in mind is exactly how this review of the Micron case goes. Um, quite frankly, in China, there's a lot of these cybersecurity reviews that are that are in many ways just kind of you know normal in the sense of that you know even the U.S. has cybersecurity views on certain technologies. That's not um, completely unprecedented. The question really is is well, does it become an issue? Does China actually follow through with any kind of restrictions? In many cases, they don't. Um, so exactly how that plays out is likely to be one thing. And that how that plays out is also likely going to be um, a product of not only China's cybersecurity review, but also what the U.S. does on specific Chinese technology over the next few months. Um, there are, for example, on Capitol Hill, lots of calls for um, for the U.S. to force uh, uh, ByteDance to sell its uh, its share of TikTok or just ban the app entirely. Um, China has already come out and said that they're against the forced sale of TikTok. Um, so that's an area where the U.S. can put into place restrictions um, that then that then China will then you know retaliate with kind of kind of finding or finding some sort of an excuse with Micron to put restrictions on Micron. Um, the other big thing to be watching over the next few months is um, the U.S.'s attempt to put into place 
a, a review mechanism for outbound investments. Um, that's something that the Biden administration has been trying to do through an executive order and it's been preparing that for about a year now. Um, we are likely to have that either at the end of this month or into May. Um, and the scope and nature of that executive order and how, how um, the U.S. can block investments into China's tech sector um, could also be an impact on um, how far China is willing to go when it comes to those restrictions. And then finally, whether or not the South Koreans or, quite frankly, any other G7 countries starts to announce um, similar restrictions or or not uh, or promising not to backfill um, any lost market share like on the Micron example that I gave you. Great. Thank you so much, Matthew. You can learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.